I love the song that we, we were singing just now, O Ancient of Days. We are waiting for Jesus to rule over the earth. And it's not going to be this earth, but it's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. The old order has to pass away. The old order of things has to pass away. But prior to that, as we look back into the beginning, as Jesus began to declare his coming through the coming of the kingdom of God on earth. We look at uh, uh, Mark chapter 1. It was a time when the Jews were expecting a kingdom on earth. They were expecting their own kingdom to be restored. A kingdom like when David ruled over the earth in the nation of Israel. So while they were expecting and they were having this sense of David kingdom coming to earth, Jesus was introducing another kind of kingdom. A kingdom that is eternal. A kingdom is not earthly based. A kingdom that will last forever. And he came proclaiming a kingdom life and he called the people of the Jewish nation to respond first to this kingdom. So when we look into Mark 1.14, Jesus, after John was uh, put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee. Proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. He began to proclaim this kingdom. And while the Jews, Jewish people were waiting for the kingdom that they had in mind, he was proclaiming another kingdom. Sometimes, now even as I was preparing, I felt, I felt the Lord impressed in my spirit that sometimes we are coming with certain expectation of how God would manifest and how God would do things. But uh, we see that uh, at times God moves in different ways. And in times and seasons where we live today, we always impose our expectation through what we perceive and through what we see and through what we uh, begin to hear. But God sometimes moves in surprises. And then we see that His way is actually higher than our ways. So as we begin to look at the scripture today, Jesus went about proclaiming a good news. That the kingdom of God has come. The time, He says, the time for generations since the fall of man in the beginning... People have been evolving into different lifestyle, philosophy, and ways of living. And, but God had set eternity in our hearts. There is a vacuum in every individual from every culture and every background, every language. And that which can only be filled by His presence. For we were created in His image. And as we are created in His, His image... We can only have Him to fill that vacuum, that presence, to restore back the image which has been distorted by the fall of man. So when Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of God, He was coming to restore that fallen creation. And He began to proclaim, the time has come. The time has come for all nations to return back to Him to come under the sovereignty of God, under the reign of God again. All we like sheep for generations 
have gone our own way. We have turned to our own ways of doing things and our own strength and weaknesses. Uh, we begin to use that to manipulate one another. And we begin to exert our strength in some areas. And others begin to exert their strength upon our lives. And there's been a lot of strife on this planet since the fall of men. But God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to proclaim this good news. The time has come where he's going to bring all things under his kingdom. And Jesus comes as Lord. He comes as a savior. He comes to redeem all mankind. He died on the cross and he rose on the third day and he has commanded his disciples to go to the ends of the earth to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. So the good news is about the kingdom of God reigning over our lives. It doesn't stop at salvation. It doesn't stop at a sinner's prayer. But as we come into his presence daily in the secret place, as we yield to him, we say to him from Matthew 6, as he has taught us to pray, your kingdom come. We are ushering his kingdom first into our lives. And as his kingdom captivates our life, the abundant life that he desires begin to flow. And as the abundance of God begins to flow through our life, it's going to touch nations. It's going to touch people around. And God has this grand plan already designed before we were born. The Bible talks about his purpose that was prepared for us before we were born. And as we hear the good news, we come to the message of salvation. And that begins, that, that began, begins a, a first journey for us to walk with him in his kingdom. So he has set eternity in our hearts and in the hearts of all mankind. And he wants to come and dwell among men, walk among us. As he comes, Emmanuel, God with us. As he walked with Adam and Eve, he wants to walk with us. And the kingdom of God, which is now, and has begun, will be culminated when Jesus comes again. But till then, his presence will continue to walk with us till the end of age. So we are here to believe to turn back to the Father, to come under his kingdom. As a church, as we hear the words of Jesus, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. He calls for repentance, to turn away from our old way of living, our old philosophy. It's not just a matter of change of mindset. Many of us change our mindset from time to time. The way we dress, the people we mix in, the kind of language we like, the kind of car we use, we change mindset. Changing our mindset alone is not repentance. In the biblical language, repentance covers changing mindset and returning back to God. Coming under His reign. Coming under His authority. Where we are going to find the blessed life. Where we are going to be blessed to be a blessing. We will discover the abundant life. We will discover the purpose of life. For many years in my life, I was searching for a purpose. Before I was 19 years of age, I saw my older siblings, as they got older, they found a job, they got married. I saw my nephew and nieces, they were, when they were born, they, they were nice Young kids, toddlers, you know, grown to teenage. Then they begin to get married. Our mine is a big family. So even my niece gets married before me. 
So I see the life cycle there. But in, within me, I felt there was an emptiness. There was a search. There was a cry. Now, what is this meaning of life? What is this purpose of life? And who is God? And as I went through the journey, when I was 19 years of age, and the Bible was given to me, and as I began to read the Bible, and for the first time, I began to feel there was something alive in that scripture, in those scriptures in the gospel. And as I began to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those scriptures became alive, and it began to speak to me. And I began to ask, is it true that this God of the Bible is the only God? I come from a Hindu family. I've been to the Buddhist temple. I've been to the Chinese temple, and I've been to... Uh, do all kind of stuff in the past. But I want to be sure and sure, is this the true God? And I was asking this God in heaven to do miracles in my life, to confirm that He is truly the way, the truth, and the life. And over a period of year, God proved Himself right. Impossible things happened in my life. I was in East Malaysia when I prayed that prayer. I said, Lord, if this is true, that you are the God, the true, only, only true God in heaven, then these impossible things must happen. And I pray that it will happen in West Malaysia, where I come from. And yet it happened. And I knew that it's impossible. It's impossible for me to, to accept Christ in front of hundreds of people in my own hometown, to be water baptized, and to return back to East Malaysia in the city of Kuching. But God did that. And as he began to reveal himself, I was, uh, the, the, the night I gave my life to him, I was 19 years old. And that night, I knew I was born again. I knew that I had a peace that, I know that it's the peace that passes all understanding. I experienced the love of God that I've never experienced before. It flooded my soul. You know, it, it overwhelmed me so much that I knew that I was, my, my feet was not on the ground. You know, heaven was down. Heaven was all over me. And I knew that God was present. And I knew that I was all clean inside me. And I knew that I began a journey with God for sure. And I'm sure that this is the true God. And there's only one way to this God, and it's through Jesus. And since then, God gave, began to give me a burden in my heart that this name Jesus and this person Jesus need to be proclaimed all over the world. It has to go to all nations. It has to go to all people. Because there's only one way. There's not many ways. There's only one way. And God gave me a vision of people on a cliff that were just... just being drawn to the edge of the cliff without them realizing. They looked like a multitude. They were busy with their life, but they were just going down the slope to the chasm. And, and God gave me that cry in my soul that this Jesus, we need to shout the name of Jesus right to the ends of the earth. God began to draw me to the area of, 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 of uh, evangelism subsequently. And uh, last week when we attended the school of the prophets and uh, we were talking about there's a meaning behind your name. And I was checking the meaning behind the name Luke actually means bringer of light and evangelist. And when I was first uh, given that name, uh, I had no idea, no clue what the name means in my life. It's just that I was a bit fond. I felt attracted to the name. The pastor says that I don't want to baptize you in your former name because that was after other gods. And as, as I felt the name, Luke came to my mind. I have no idea that it was a calling upon my life. 
to bring the light of the gospel. It was so good. God is real. God is so true. He's the one that has chosen us before the foundations of the earth. You and I are called. We are chosen with a purpose. And since then, I begin to find a meaning, a purpose in life. Not, not just uh, for the sake of ministry, but there was a contentment in, the life, in my life. There was not that desire for the, the vanity and, and the material things, uh, the thirst for those things just diminish. But the thirst for the presence of God continues to increase. And Jesus became very real in my life. So when we see Jesus says, believe. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. He's not asking us to believe in a religion or a ceremony. He's talking, us, talking to us about believing in Him. So when we believe in this Savior that died on the cross and rose on the third day, we are one with Him because by faith we are made one in Christ. We are reconciled with God and we become a new creation. We have a destiny in Christ. We have a purpose to be fulfilled. We are not uh, just a Christian walking this journey trying to make ends meet, but we have a calling and a purpose. And God has placed that in the depths of our soul. So we believe. We believe. And, and uh, why do we just, just come to Christ? Because he has drawn us to him. And when we become believers, the scripture declares that we are chosen people to declare his praises. He calls us out of darkness for this purpose. So as we look into uh, Jesus' teaching further, in Matthew 6, 9, he's talking about... Our Father, He's, He brings us into a relationship with the Father. And, and this Father is part of this big kingdom, the eternal kingdom. And when I gave my life to Jesus, I experienced the Father's love. It was so overwhelming. I grew up without a father after the age of four. And there was a vacuum until I was 19. But when I gave my life to Jesus that day, I felt the love of the Father. He is bringing us out of religion into a relationship where we call Him our Father. And we communicate with Him as our Father. We say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. He wants us to usher that kingdom into our lives. And as kingdom captivates our life, it will begin to manifest the works and, and the things that Jesus wants to do. In Luke chapter 4, verse 43, we see that Jesus talks about, I must preach this, I must, uh, when he was asked, uh, can we have that Luke chapter 4 verse 43? Yes, thank you. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. There were many people looking for Jesus at that hour and moment. But Jesus says to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. I must preach, that is why I was sent. He came to proclaim the good news. And he says that he has to go to other towns and other places to proclaim this good news. Wherever Jesus went, to the towns, to the synagogues, to the hills, to the lakes, to the home, he was very passionate and focused about drawing people into the kingdom of God. All kinds of people from various backgrounds. It was not only the Jews, 
the Gentiles, and many other nations were being drawn to Jesus. And those that follow him began to increase as time went. Jesus began to heal. He began to set the captives free. He began to give them a new life. He began to do miracles. Above all, salvation was preeminent in his ministry. As we look in Mark chapter 6, verses, uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 6 to 13. We see the story of a centurion. A centurion came to Jesus asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and he will be healed. In verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to the following Truly, I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. When I felt the Lord impress this passage in my heart, this particular scripture, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. The Lord, the Holy Spirit, the still small voice began to ask me this question. Do you see the same words that Jesus uttered in the house of Zacchaeus? Today, salvation has come into this house. The centurion was experiencing salvation because it's by faith and by grace we are saved. And here we see that Jesus continues in verse 11. I say to you that many will come from the east and west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. By faith and grace. Jesus healed the centurion's servant. But more than that, Jesus was passionate about winning that centurion and household to the kingdom of God. Many a times we could come to God for something. Could be a job, could be, could be for, for healing, could be for an open door in our life, or could be for anything else. But as we come by faith, Jesus is reaching out into our lives for a greater territory, much more than what we are coming for. And he wants to expand his kingdom into all areas of our life. And as we begin to respond with that little door open for a particular need, he's reaching out far greater than we can see. And he's putting things order. He's restoring things in our lives. That is an open opportunity for us to experience more of the kingdom of God. God doesn't just want to pause there to come for a need, but open up our lives further for his purpose in our lives. We look at Mark chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. There were four men that brought a paralyzed man to Jesus. They were in a crowded room and they could not uh, come to Jesus by, uh, uh, by approaching him. But these four men persisted on in their faith. They opened up the roof, lowered the paralyzed men. And the scripture says that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Yeah. And healed them. he healed that man later. But what I'd like to bring to you is that when he saw their faith, sometimes people are paralyzed spiritually. They are not able to reach and come close to Jesus. But would we extend our faith for their salvation? Would we reach out to them? 
Would we spend a bit of time with them? Would we give them a call? Would we call them for a coffee? Would we send them a text? Extend our faith, our love to them, drawing them into God and His kingdom and His presence. As we begin to do that, salvation comes to the second and third person. The Spirit of God knows no boundary. He hovers all over the earth. The glory of God shall cover the whole earth. The Spirit of God is able to touch people beyond boundaries, beyond our, our limitations. So wherever we are, in whatever circumstances we are, God wants to use us like these four men. All they know is that they know that Jesus can do it. Jesus can heal. But Jesus had something greater for this paralyzed man as well as the four. He says, your sins are forgiven. Which is better, to be healed alone or to be healed and to be forgiven? Hallelujah. We see something more eternal happening here. A lot of times we come with that little need. But God has got eternal purpose for drawing us here. So that little opportunities, that little circumstances created by God are opportunities for us to knock further into the kingdom of God. He has created, He has allowed those little things to happen so that we will turn our face to Him, that He can have our attention for a bigger and glorious purpose in our lives. So He's, he's not limiting us, but we could limit ourselves. God wants to do these greater things. And as we look into Acts 10 now, we see that Peter was sent by God in a vision to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile. Now, Cornelius was a Gentile. He doesn't know Jesus, but he knows something about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He gave to the poor, and uh, he prayed from afar without knowing Jesus. But interestingly, when God sent an angel into the house, he says that God has seen your giving and he has heard your prayers. And God sent Peter to Cornelius' house. And while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit came down. It's very interesting. This, house of, this is the house of the Gentiles where the Jews will not simply go and mix around with. God was showing Peter something. And God sometimes is able to reveal to us things as we go into different houses, visit different people, talk to our friends. He will move our heart, but the Holy Spirit will also come upon them as we speak. They may not know Jesus yet, but the Holy Spirit can come upon them like Cornelius. So while we are talking to them, the Holy Spirit is stirring something within their heart. We could be the one that's sowing the word. We could be the one that's row, uh, uh, watering. Or we could uh, be the one that is going to harvest. Whatever we are doing, wherever we are, as we speak to them, they may not say the sinner's prayer, but the Holy Spirit is coming upon them. And He's stirring their hearts, a thirst that comes from you. He's stirring their hearts, a hunger that comes from you, so that they begin to be infected by the Holy Spirit that is in you. And that will draw them into Jesus in due time. 
So God is coming under all circumstances. He is not confined to good circumstances only, but He comes and shows up under all circumstances. Is it is it something to do with a, a situation that it is not comfortable culturally? And that was the case of Peter in the house of Cornelius. He was very cautious. The Jews were circumcised. The Gentiles were not circumcised. You know, they could eat different food. They they have different way of believing. But yet, God was moving in the midst of this very controversial circumstances. So it is not only about a good, comfortable circumstances where we can sit cozy, cozy, our cup of tea. But as we open our hearts and allow Jesus to manifest through our life, the person that is listening is going to be visited by the Holy Spirit. And for eternity, it's going to make a difference. That household and the friends and the relatives came into the kingdom of God that day because somebody spoke about Jesus and the extension of God's kingdom took place in the house of Cornelius. Uh, the scripture says in Romans 10, 14, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? Cornelius haven't heard about Jesus. Peter needed to go there for the Holy Spirit to come down. It was orchestrated by God himself. And we see that our feet need to move. Our hands need to respond. Our heart needs to be open. Our mouth needs to speak. Because he has prepared, prepared people. They are there in the homes. They are there in the streets. They are there in the airports. They are there in the schools, in the college, in the universities. They are all in different places. And when we, when we look at this, how can they hear without someone preaching to them? My, my wife reminded me of, of a story of a, of a pastor from, from India who visited our home as well as uh, preached in our church a few years ago. Some of you might have heard about his name, P.G. Varghese. He's been to New Zealand, he has preached in Auckland, and he preaches in many parts of the world. Now, P.G. Varghese formerly was a soldier. Six, seven years late, after he came to know the Lord, he and his wife frequently go by the Ganges River, not to participate in any ceremony, but finding opportunities, opportunities to share the gospel with the people that are by the Ganges River. For your information, some of you will know this, every year about 100 and almost 150 million people go to the Ganges River because it's sacred for the Hindus. So when P.G. Vargas went to one part of the riverbank, the river is very wide. It's, it's about five kilometers wide, just the width of the river. Yeah. So when he was in the midst of about 500 people, started, while he was talking to a hippie, uh, a German guy, and uh, his eyes caught attention to a family was, which was at the riverbank at that moment. There was a mother who was uh, comforting the child and... Uh, and there was the husband beside her. And he saw what happened. His wife, uh, 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 as, as they were, the husband and wife were together, he saw the, the mother was actually feeding the baby. And then later on, the man, the husband, picked up the baby and kissed the baby on the both cheeks. Gave it to the mother. And then the mother gave the baby a long kiss. And then the husband pulled away the baby and threw it into the Ganges River. 
P.G. Vargas was all very moved. He went. He went to this couple and he talked to them. And while, while he talked to them, he was, the, the man was all frozen standing there. He knew what he has done. It's very painful. So he asked the man, why did you do that? Are you too poor? He says, I'm poor. So he asked him the next question. Was it a boy or a girl? He says, it's a boy. Then he asked, was the baby crippled? No, he's all good. Then he asked him another question. Are you too poor to feed him? He says, no. If I can have him, I'll raise him up as a prince in my house. According to his means. Then Varghese asked the man, then why did you do it? He says, two weeks ago, the goddess of Genghis came to uh, came in came to in a dream to, to, to my wife and said that in order to achieve moksha, moksha means salvation, to break the cycle of rebirth. Says in order to, to, to achieve salvation of the whole family so that we don't have a rebirth, we must sacrifice this son, this son for the goddess. So PG Vargas asked that man, have you heard about Jesus? And he said, where can I buy this Jesus from which shop? He was thinking about medication for the wife who was traumatic at that time. So Vargas told him, it is not a medicine. It's a man. He's the son of God who came. He died on the cross for all our sins. He was sacrificed for each and every one of us. And he brings salvation for us. And we do not have to make any sacrifices. And when the wife heard this, she was down crying uh, uh, on the ground, pulling her hair. And then suddenly she began to stretch her hand towards P.G. Vargas with some hair in the hand. And she began to ask him, why didn't you come 30 minutes earlier? My son would have been alive. Why didn't you come 30 minutes earlier? Church, there are many perishing into Christless eternity because we could be half an hour too late, one day too late, one week too late, one month too late. Jesus said to the disciples, say ye not that three to four months more there is a harvest. He said, no, open your eyes. See, the harvest is ready. It is here now. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time to preach the gospel. It is not about three months later, four months later. Let me sort this out, Lord, and let me straighten that. But now seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things that you're seeking after shall be added unto you. And as we begin to put Jesus first, as we begin to proclaim the gospel, he adds into your life. The kingdom of God does not rob away things that we desire, but he adds that value. He adds into our life life. I came from not uh, much material resources. I came from a position of not having everything and all. But today I have abundance because of my Father in heaven. He added much into my life. Much more than what 
I can ask or imagine. My wife will testify that. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, hearts have not conceived what the Lord has prepared for those who love Him. Church, there's a greater, there's a higher calling and there is much more provided in the kingdom of God. Much more than we can work for day and night. Much more than we can save in our bank. Much more than I could have any interest or any investment. He is the Father who has given me more than what I could have. Let us make time for the kingdom. Let us make time for Jesus. Let us come and begin to look at him as he has called us for a greater calling and a greater purpose. Jesus, he's so beautiful. He began a journey. He transformed my life. And I know, like in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul says that, we, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. The word appeal melts my heart. Does God have to appeal to us to be safe? But it's as though God is appealing through us. Paul talks about snatching people out of fire, snatching people out of that disaster that is ahead of them. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, I meditate on this scripture for long. It really moves my heart that this God that so loved the world and gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He did not come to condemn the world but to save the world. And we begin to look at the scriptures that the, the Paul writes here that as though God was making an appeal. In Matthew 28, we know that Jesus said that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And surely I am always with you to the very end of age. We talk about the last days. We talk about the end time. He is with us even these days. And as we begin to look to him, he is able to do more than what we could do for ourselves. And as we begin to put him first, he begins to fulfill his purpose in our lives. The lifestyle of the kingdom is soul winning. Jesus did many miracles, but salvation was always preeminent. The Apostle Paul in the two, 1 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul uses the word win over five times. He talks about a transactional term, trading up our evil and sinful life for something that is better. Scripture says that he who wins soul is wise. And in verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verse uh, 19, he talks about he becomes a slave to everyone. This is Paul talking. To win as many. To the Jew, he becomes a Jew. To those under the law, he becomes like one under the law. To those not under the law, he becomes like one not under the law, although he's under the law of Christ. And to those who are weak, he comes as one weak. He does not compromise his Christian character. But yet, he comes in every form. To the Romans, he's like a Roman. To the Jew, he's like a Jew. To the slave, he's like a slave. He comes at every position, every place, in order to win some. To win some into the kingdom of God. He says, I have become all things to all people, so that I may be every by every possible means, save some. That was his goal. That was his purpose. I remember 
many years ago, when my mother's sister, my auntie was alive. She used to be the, like the priestess, the priest, doing all the ceremonies at home. In, 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 uh, in the family of uh, 10 plus hers, 13, we all lived under one group, uh, one house. Those days, it used to be a sandwich family. Yeah, and uh, so, so she used to be the priestess. She used to say, no, which God can you put on the altar? You cannot put all the Hindu gods together. There's a problem there at all. So which gods can be put together? And what kind of offering should be made? And when worship should be done? And what are the do's and don'ts? But as after I came to know the Lord, she has always been, the, although she's been the auntie, she's been like a mother to me also. And my heart was very moved with compassion with her. There was one day when I, I went from Kuching, East Malaysia, to Kuala Lumpur, West Malaysia, to visit her. And uh, while I was leaving her house, she was at the doorstep, and uh, she was telling me, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just don't feel something is all right with me. She was standing at the door. But I was rushing off. It was Sunday morning. This religious guy was rushing off to church to meet another pastor. So I was thinking about, I need to go. Because there was my first appointment meeting a pastor who's from a Singh background. Singh are those with turbans. But he came to know Christ and I was having an appointment to meet up with him. But as I left my auntie at the doorstep, my heart was a bit heavy. And after meeting the pastor, I took a flight back, came back to East Malaysia. When I was back in East Malaysia, I got the news that she, got, she had got stroke. And she was bedridden. And I was on my knees praying, Lord, do not let her breathe her last till she has a chance to hear your name. And I was very often on my knees with regret that I did not give her the extra time to touch her life. And as I was, I was, uh, as I was, I continued to pray. I got the news that she had stroke the second time. I went over, and I visited her in the in, in the clinic where she was laid, and uh, my heart was very disturbed. I saw her lying down on the bed. No response, no movement, and her face was all distorted. She was, she was very miserable, as though she was struggling for something, but she couldn't speak. There was, there was no physical movement at all. So, and my heart was very disturbed too. There was a cry in my heart for her salvation. And as I, I approached her, I told her in very simple language, call Jesus, call Jesus. He forgives all our sins. And at that moment, I, I, I still remember it's my left hand. As I touched her with my left hand, I suddenly felt there was a bolt of electricity float into her body. In the past, we used to pray for people laying hands. You sense a warm presence and the peace of God. But that day, I felt like electricity, something flowed into her body. And instantly, that burden from my heart was lifted up. And there was peace and joy. And when I look at her face, the countenance changed. And she was full of peace on the face. And I believe that day, God has done something. And the burden from my heart was lifted up. It was replaced with peace and joy. And I saw peace on her face. And when I came back later, I heard she passed away. God wants to snatch people even at the last minute. Snatch people from every circumstances into his kingdom. This morning, let us bow our head and give this time to Jesus. Hallelujah.
If there are any of us here this morning, we would like to encourage you to open up your hearts to Jesus. In Acts 4.12, the scripture says that salvation is found in no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. So this morning, uh, this morning, if you have not opened your hearts to Jesus, we would like to welcome you into the kingdom of God by praying together with you. A very short prayer, which will be your first step to come under the blessings, the grace, and the power of the Almighty God. The kingdom of God is not here to rob something from our lives, but He's here to give. For God so loved the world, He gave. He has given us His Son. How much more He will give us all things. This morning, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, would you please slip up your hands as a respond to God. Wherever you are, just respond to God. You're not responding to the church nor me, but you're responding to Jesus who is present here. Just begin to slip up your hand to Jesus and surrender your hand to Him. That's a sign that you're opening up your heart. Anyone here, or even if you're online this morning watching, you could open up your hearts to Jesus. Anyone here, you can lift up your hands. You're unsure about your salvation. You can lift up your hands. There could be somebody online. Let us pray this prayer for the sake of those online or somewhere. Somebody might watch this, this uh, service, follow this service even in future, even the days to come. Somebody might click upon this service this morning and they might respond to the gospel. And I believe there is somebody out there that God wants to reach out this morning. Let us pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that you died on the cross for all our sins. We thank you for you have come to come and to give us a new life. And your blood cleanses us from all our sins. We believe in you. We confess that you are our Lord and our Savior. We thank you, Lord Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you're here or if you're online, just reach out to a Christian or somebody who has the Bible or come to the church or you come to Harmony and begin to come to a life where you can be journeyed together in the kingdom of God. God bless.